Are you all well? Yes. You look well. And you sound well. That was great singing. It's great worship, it really is. And uh, what about the um, little talk from John? Oh, I tell you what, it was all right. That was all right. I tell you, there's something happened in your life with the gift of communication. Do you want to speak that over you in front of your peers, in front of your church? And uh, may God just anoint your mind, your lips, your heart. May he just put something in, in you that's just going to communicate. May the word of God come to life for you. May you see things you never saw before. May you just know how to preach all of a sudden. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? All right. I want you all to do this with me. Do this, please. Do that. Do this. And go peace out. Ready? One, two, three. Mwah. One, two, three. Peace out. All right. I'm going to come back to that. All right. It's good. That's all it is. All right. Good morning. All right. Philippians chapter four. All right. If you've got a Bible with you, if you haven't, put it on your phone. If you haven't, watch the screen behind me. All right. Peace out. That's where we're going today. I think the text started at verse two, but I'm going to jump to a verse four. All right. And uh, it's, this will be a passage that maybe will be familiar to some of you, uh, brand new to others. Either way, it's all good. Paul is writing to the church in, in Philippi. It's a brand new church plant. And uh, it's, uh, I don't know if anyone's ever seen Philippi. I haven't been to Philippi. It's in, it's in central Greece right now. You can get to it. It's a, it's a Roman ruin. It's a, a colony. I visited a couple of years ago. And uh, you got to see where Paul and Silas were in jail stuff, and it does bring some of this stuff to life for sure. Anyway, let's go from verse 4. He's writing, he's closing off the book, and he says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I'm going to say it again, he says, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, okay, but in every situation by prayer and petition and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace, say peace, the peace of God which transcends all understanding, all understanding, the Bible says, will guard your heart like a citadel, will guard your heart and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then he goes on to say, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Think about such things. And then he concludes, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put that into practice. And then he says, and the God of peace will be with you. Amen? Peace out. That's where we're going. I wonder... Have anyone, even if it's this week, maybe, I don't know, but in your lifetime, you don't have to be alive too long to get some news that changes your world, changes your world personally. I know we get lots of, I spoke the last time on lots of news and it changes stuff in the world that we live in, but personally for you, now, I'm not going to regale you once more with another story about my kids, okay? But I got to be honest, in 2004 in December, we did learn we were pregnant. Hallelujah, okay? We've been trying about four or five years. We were foster parents. We looked after kids as well, did all that sort of stuff. And then we learned finally when Judith was pregnant, we were going to have one of our own. Woohoo! Going to be awesome. Things 
were going to change. That changed our world. Awesome sauce. Let's go. And then in January, you know the story, she went for a little bit of a scan and we discovered four heartbeats, four heartbeats in her tummy. And so we embarked on this journey of a quadruplet pregnancy. And I have to tell you from one man to another, okay, my peace lifted. Call me old-fashioned, all right? But there you go. My peace lifted. That short little window I had about the joy of parenthood, I'm going to be a daddy, I will be the daddy, I will be the man, I will be what it replaced with absolute fear of the unknown, okay? I can look back on it now and go, ha, 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 this is good stuff to preach about, but at the time, it became a nightmare for moi, okay? And, and I discovered something from myself as I reflect back, okay, that um, I discovered that my ability to have peace inside of me was entirely dependent on the world around me. I had gone through life making this commitment to circumstantial calm. In other words, if circumstances were good, then I would have peace, all right? And, uh, and I think that's, for, for lots of us, that could be the way that we live our life. So long as the, the dishes are done and put away, we can relax at home. Anybody else? I can't stand dishes. Just, oh, and we have children, and there's dishes everywhere. It's like a treasure hunt in our house. I'm serious, okay? But we, we need, sometimes we need our world to be just so, and then we can have peace. But is there, and surely there has to be, especially for those that follow the, the Prince of Peace, surely, church, there has to be a peace that goes beyond circumstances, that doesn't need the world to be just so, so that we can carry peace within it. Now, my daughter, my eldest daughter, by one minute, okay, she is Sarah, and she still has, and she will be mortified that I'm telling you this, so don't tell her when she see her next, uh, but she has handshakes, okay? She has a handshake for me and a handshake for her mother, okay? And I can't do the one she has for me because it's quite intricate, but the one she has for her mother is peace out, which is why I started with that one, okay? That is the handshake that she has with her. And in her, and she's been doing this for years, we've had this little handshake, and we would do it as at night-night or cheerio, or when I left the house last night, it was through the whole handshake with me. So that's, it's kind of a, I don't know, it's not a greeting, it's, I don't know what it is, but there it is. That's what it is. It's a thing we do, and it's a thing she does with her mom. And it made me think about the way she goes peace out in the context of this talk. And I know in her mind, that's all it is. It's a cheerio, it's a hello, it's a night-night, it's all of that. But you know what also it could be? It's the recognition of the continuity of peace between two people. It's the recognition of peace out, that no matter what's going on between you and I, mom and daughter, there's always going to be peace between us. It is the peace that doesn't need conditions to be perfect in order to exist within them. It is a peace, everyone, that transforms the world within them, i.e. brings that love for each other out while transcending the world around them. Now, when we go to John chapter 20, verse 19, we get to the stage where Jesus has been crucified. Three days later, he rises again, and he's shown himself to a few people, and there's fear of the Jews, and the disciples, they are hiding in upper room somewhere in Jerusalem. Now, in verse 19 of chapter 20, it says this, on the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together, 
with the, with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them. And he said, what did he say of all the things that he could say? This is what he said. Peace out. He says, peace be with you. He knows that the disciples are panicking. He knows they've never seen this type of thing before. He know, he's risen again, everybody. We are used to this. We, we go through life. Oh, Jesus is alive. That's awesome. Think of the disciples. They'd watch him be crucified, and he walks through the door. Peace out. Absolutely peace I leave with you. Peace of all the things he needed to say, that's what it was. And he's saying, peace out. And it's this invitation. It is this continuity of peace between Jesus and his disciples in the middle of a situation that looked anything like peaceful situations. In other words, Christ offered them a peace that was transforming slowly, I'd imagine, slowly transforming the world within them, that fear into joy while transcending the world around them. The fear of the Jews was still there. It doesn't matter, but something was shifting within them because of the peace that Christ offers. And so let me just say it again for any avoidance of doubt. The peace that Jesus offers you and me today, okay, and I'm going to take us on a journey of how to get it and how to keep it, it transforms the world within you while ignoring, if you like, or transcending or pushing out away the world around you. And the world needs believers, followers of Jesus that carry something so distinctive within them that no matter where they go, they leave a trail of peace and joy. I, I read a little quote, I mean, you may have seen it about when it was Twitter or whether it was TikTok or whatever, but it said this, Jesus spent a lot of time with sinners. They changed, he didn't. And I think about some people and believers that I would know and, and how, how often the other way around. That Christians move into the world, they spend a lot of people who don't believe, and the people who don't believe change the ones that do. It's the wrong way around. We carry a peace, we carry a person who that whenever comes into contact with people not like him, changes them in Jesus' name. And so I want to encourage you that the world, your world, my world, needs people so filled with the Spirit of God, so full of connection with God, so full of faith and belief in God, that they carry a peace that no matter what they walk into, they bring the peace of God with them. It doesn't matter what chaos is there, the chaos gets changed because the man or woman or young person of peace is in the room. The atmosphere should change everywhere you go because of the peace that you carry. Amen? Come on. It is a peace that is independent of circumstantial calm. It is a peace that no longer needs all the stars to align. It is not a peace that needs the money in the bank, the relational bliss, the upcoming holiday, life map all sorted out. And all those things, by the way, are phenomenal. Go get yourself some of those. But you don't need that to bring you peace. The peace you carry, bring it into the world. Bring it into the world with you. It is a peace that allows you to be unfazed. It is a peace that brings understanding distraction, resolute in your faith. And no matter what goes on in your work tomorrow, that's going on in your home life tomorrow, no matter what's going on in your world, you can step into it with a sense of, God's got this. Amen?
Anyone struggling with too much peace? I don't think so. Here's how we're going to go. Number one, peace out. The path to peace begins with a plan, and the plan is a man. Hip, hip. The Good Friday Agreement, let's go north. The Good Friday Agreement in Easter is 25 years old this Easter. Isn't that crazy? I'm not sure we're any further forward. 20, well, we're a lot further forward, but 25 years, it's incredible. Now, I remember the book coming through the post that we all had to take a vote on. Remember, some of you younger don't remember that, but we all had this kind of agreement booklet that came through the post, and there was this mad referendum. Two things stuck out to me about this booklet, okay? Number one was the sheer size of it. It was an encyclopedia. It was a very large piece of reading material. The second thing, church, that struck me about it was that it took four years to write it. Four years, okay, of wranglings and meetings and falling ins and falling outs and all of that stuff to get this document ready for voting. It took four years to plan for peace. But I want to say this, the plan for peace for your heart was underway from the dawn of time. From the dawn of time. There is a plan for your peace You can have it. You can get it. God has a plan, and the plan is a man. In the early pages of Genesis, we learn about the fall of mankind, okay? We learn about the bliss. We learn about the peace, this incredible relationship between Adam and Eve and the Lord. The Bible says he would walk through in the cool of the day, etc., etc. You know how the story goes. Temptation, our fall, and so on. And then from that moment until this moment, humanity has been living well short of God's intended best for all of us. We have rebelled. We have ignored, we have forgotten, we have lived for ourselves all the while carrying this ache, this innate desire that says there must be something more. Why can't I find inner peace? And that's why. And then you go to Genesis 13, 15. Can you imagine this? I try to picture this in my mind, the lineup when God comes to sort everything out. Adam, Eve, the devil, and the Lord. Like, can you imagine? Like, seriously. And then he speaks. And God says, I will put enmity between you to Satan. And he says, and the woman. And between your offspring and hers, he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. I love, and there's no slide for it, but I love how the message version puts it. The message version says this, I declare war on you. Come on, somebody, right at the moment of time, in this unfolding drama, we have God, we have Adam and Eve, we have Satan, and there we have God presenting a plan. I'm going to put something in place that's going to undo the work of the devil. I'm going to put someone in place that's going to undo the effects of sin. I'm going to put someone in. God had a plan, and the plan was a man, and the man is... Jesus, absolutely. And you can say it, we can, we can play with it in the Old Testament. Isaiah 7, 14. It says, therefore, the Lord himself, he's going to give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and she will give birth to a son and we will call him Emmanuel. God with us. 
And here's the essence of the plan in Isaiah 9 verse 6. It says, for us, unto us, a child is born, a son is given. Watch this. And the government will be upon his shoulders. Are you ready? He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and what? Prince of the Peace Out. Seriously. And so we learn in these verses the essence of what Jesus comes to do. To restore peace between God and humanity. God has a plan. And the plan is a man. And the man is, the man is Jesus. And then in verses, a few chapters later in Isaiah, we learn how Jesus attains the peace for us. Are you ready for this? Isaiah 53, verse 5, Bible study this morning. It says this, but he was bruised for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us was upon him. And then we shift to the New Testament. Luke 2, verse 14. Angels erupting before the shepherds. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, what? Peace to all men on whom his favor rests. Of all the things that the angels could proclaim about the arrival of God the Son on the planet, the thing they focus on is peace. Paul writes to the church in Colossae, chapter 1. Verse 20 says, through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. From the beginning of time, God had a plan. The plan was a man, and the man is Jesus. And it is, church, the power of the cross, the power of his death and resurrection, the power of the promise of salvation and eternal life that brings the peace to the deepest parts of who we are. It is the soul ache. It is the soul ache of our spirit that is longing the eternal part of who we are, are that cries out to the living God, that tries to find where peace is. And I got to tell you, peace is in Jesus. And in this Peace, it's a Greek word in the New Testament. It's called Irene, E-I-R-E-N-E. And it means this, it, it, it encapsulates the Hebrew word shalom, but it goes further. So it means a peace that sets at one. It brings oneness. It means rest. But more than that, it is a peace that prospers life. It is an active peace. It's not the absence of trouble. We think that's peace. Give my head peace, we say to the kids. What you mean is, please go to your room and be quiet. That's not peace. That is the absence of their annoyingness. That's not shalom. That's just quiet. The shalom that God brings us is a peace that is active, no matter whether the kids are up the walls or in the bed. And here's the beautiful thing about it. As long as you've been a follower of Jesus, now ready, you've got to believe me on this. For as long as you've been a follower of Jesus, you've always been in the peace of God. Hip, hip. You can never be outside of it. Well, it doesn't feel like that. I don't care about how it feels. Facts have no interest in feelings. The fact is, 
You've always been in the peace of God if you're a follower of Jesus. You can never be outside the peace of God because you can never lose your salvation, amen? You can't lose it. You can't lose the peace of God because it's impossible to lose Jesus. We need to make peace with God. I don't know if there's anyone in the room that needs this kind of peace. I've been searching for this peace my whole life. Well, I've got to tell you, God has a plan. The plan is a man and the man is Jesus. Second thing is this, peace out. The path to peace continues with presence. If we are going to activate the peace that we know we have now, and we already have it, we are in the peace of God, we have this peace with God, and we're going to activate that and live that and be able to avail of that. The way we do it is to become aware of the presence of Jesus in our daily lives. Because here's the truth, peace with the Father comes from the presence of the Son. Let's go to Matthew 14, and I love it when Raul talks about the same passage I'm going to talk about in this point. You would think God was in it. And in Matthew 14, verse 22, it goes on, it says, Immediately Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone and the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Come on, anyone gone through life and it just feels the wind is against you. Shortly before dawn, and I love this, Jesus watched though, eh? We'll see how they get on. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. I mean, don't lose sight of this. They'd never seen this type of miracle before. When the disciples saw him, he's walking on the storm. I could preach about that. Could you? I mean, you could preach about He's walking on your storm. That's how little he's disturbed by it. He just walks over the top of it. Come on, somebody. <laughs> when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But Jesus, this is the first of the immediately. He said to them, take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Oh, Lord, if it is you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you in the water. Well, come on ahead. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Second, immediately. Jesus responds immediately to our cries. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith. Not harsh. I'm just walking on water, Jesus. Little faith. I didn't think I was doing so bad. And he says, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. And then those who were within the boat worshipped him. I bet they did. Saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Isn't that amazing? What a story. We know this story so well. But, oh, it's fresh. Throw up a couple of slides. I want to show you a pattern that we can use. Problem. You don't have to put your hand up. Okay. But most of us will have a problem, okay? And the problem in this story is they're in a boat in a storm with a potential ghost sighting, okay? From time to time, my Facebook feed is like, you know, these, these ghost, ghost paranormal programs? 
In a boat, in a storm, potential ghost sighting. Then we have the presence of God in Jesus. He's walking, not running, not panicking, okay? He's walking on the water in a storm. As I say, I mean, he's watching them. He decides, well, it's getting a bit lighter now, then I'll go, okay? Jesus walking to them on the water. Next thing then we have here is prayer, okay? And so Peter's like, Lord, if it is you, tell me to come to you out on the water. Anytime we talk to God, that's praying, okay? Praying is not just reserved for this posture, okay? Praying is a conversation for God. Here we have a problem in a boat, in a storm, potential ghost sighting. I've never seen Jesus do this before. I'm in something so new. I haven't seen God move in that way in my life before. I've seen God move in my way in other things, but this is a new thing, and I don't know if God does anything about the new thing. Potential ghost sighting. Some of you are having potential ghost sightings. Will Jesus come to me in this moment? Will he answer this prayer? I'm not sure because I've never been this sick before. I've never had this need before. It's never been as important before. I just don't know. Jesus rocks up and on the water in the storm. Then he prays. Tell me to come to you. Help, pray, do something. Next thing is this. Then we have peace Peter walks on the sea in a storm. Brian, how is that peace? Because something has shifted in Peter. Bear in mind, when he walks onto the water, it doesn't say the storm quit. The storm is still going. Life is still hard. It is still kind of dark. Wind and waves are crashing over. And the only thing he can see is Jesus. And he locks his eyes on him. And it is the peace of God. That transformation from the world within him. Where faith began to rise. That he could walk on water. Even though the waves around him were going bananas. And he begins to walk on water. Next one. What have we got? Protection. I mean like any other human being. Peter catches on what he's doing. And this is like all of us. We get days we walk through with triumphant victory. And then three minutes later, oh, I'm not going to make it. And he begins to pray out and to reach out. And Jesus catches him. This is how it works. The peace Jesus brings is a peace that transforms the world within while ignoring and transcending the world around. And the way we transition from a problem to protection is to become aware of the presence of Jesus and talk to him. And when we do, peace is the goal. Peace is the target. Peace is what is released And when you have the peace of God, and because the peace is tied to the presence, you embrace the presence of Jesus. And when you know Jesus has got you, you know you're protected. Amen? Let's go back to Philippians chapter 4. Throw up the first slide. The problem in this thing, in this particular passage, is, is anxiety. Is the slide there? Can you whack it up? That would be phenomenal. That's okay. Leave them all on. Anxiety is the problem. 
anyone, don't put your hand up, but anxiety. There's an epidemic of fear in the world that we are living in. Anxiety is real. All of us will be anxious or are anxious in this moment in time. We are. We're afraid of stuff. I mean, just look at the new, anything. It's, right? Then we have Paul telling us, but presence is there. He says, the Lord is near. It's not a potential ghost sighting. Jesus is here. Amen. And then he says, by prayers and petitions, another type of prayer with thanksgiving, another type of prayer. Prayer. And then he says, once you pray, what happens is the peace of God. And what does the peace do? It transcends all understanding and then it does this, it guards. And the Greek for that is like stronghold, castle. And he puts a castle around your heart and he puts a castle around your head in the name of That's how it works. I don't know what's worrying you and I'm not making little of it, but it is not as great as Jesus. It is nothing to the size of Jesus. I don't care what it is. I do care what it is. That's not fair. But it can't walk on water. And I can't make you walk on water through it. Can it speak to the weather? It can't. Not at all. So has it got miracle working part? No, no, it hasn't. So I don't know what you need to do, but I want to encourage you, get into, stay into, and covet and cultivate the presence of God. Keep your eyes fixed. When Peter focused on Jesus, he walked through the storm. When he focused on the storm, the water got into him and he began to sink. We cannot let the world into us. We must bring our world into the world we are in. And I'm telling you, you will walk on water in Jesus' name. Zephaniah 3 verse 17 says this, The Lord your God is in your midst. He is a mighty one to save. And then it says this, He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quieten you with His love. And I love this so much. I love this. He will exult over you with loud singing. Isn't that beautiful? You see, we come here and we sing worship to God. God's in heaven singing songs over you. Oh, come on, somebody. We need to change who God is in the Irish mindset. We sing here and we worship the Father and the Father's in heaven singing songs over you. And if you want to know what that feels like, sing songs over your child as they sleep. That's what I've done it over each of my children, and there is nothing. And you know, I remember doing it with Sarah. She was about three or four. I've done it with them all, but over, you see, you see the heart. You see the love you feel as you sing over your child as they sleep. That's the heart God has for you. And some of you need to feel that and believe it and understand it. For God so loved the world. For God so sings over the world. You can walk on Worship team, you're free to join me. The final thing, and we're done, well done for listening, everybody. The third thing and the final thing is this. It's peace out. The path of peace endures. We're not going to like this bit, okay? Just keep your eyes on me. You know what they look like. The final thing is this. 
The path of peace endures through practice. Could it not just come and hit me like a no? We've got to practice this. I read this quote this week. I think and think and think. I've thought myself out of happiness one million times, but never once into it. So true. I think it was Irish who wrote this. <laughs> Lamenting about the rain. <laughs> Verse 8 and 9 of our text in Philippians 4 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true. Come on. Listen to me here. Lean into me. Come on. Let the word of God. Come on. Whatever is true. Whatever is noble. Whatever is right. Whatever is pure. That's hard. Whatever is lovely, though. Whatever is admirable. See, that's why the peace of God has to guard your heart and your if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, Paul says, think about such things. I know you've got to think about fighting a snappy retort back to somebody who was cheeky on you online. Or I know you've got to think about getting your own back. I know you have to think about, no, you don't. No, you don't at all. Whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, and admirable, come on, that's who you are. That's what's in your mind. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about that. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen, then Paul says what? Watch this. What? Look. What does he do? Oh, put it into. Didn't say put it into your life. He's put it into practice, which means you have to practice, which means it doesn't come naturally. It comes super. Romans 12, 2 says this, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Anyone ever put a new kitchen in their house? What a pain. Renewing in the Greek means renovate. And you know if you're going to put a new kitchen in your house, you don't put new cabinets on top of the other cabinets. That would be silly and very wide. What do you do? First of all, you, you take out the old and then you put in the new when Paul says be transformed by the renovation of your mind you take out the and you put in the new and I finish with this and some of you need it I need it Isaiah 26 verse 3 you will keep in perfect peace him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in come on let's stand let's stand come on for one second uh, could you put that uh, protection prayer thing up that slide My heart's a bit labored this morning. I just feel a little bit emotional with you all. Because I don't want you to have anxiety. There's nothing as consuming as having a problem. So come on. 
Let's close our eyes for a minute. So open up our hands if you're comfortable. If there's no magic in it. I've said it before a hundred times, but it's just a posture of openness. I want you to know the Lord is near. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. And the Bible says that he's singing over you with loud singing. Brian, I don't deserve to, you know, you know you don't, you're right. But Jesus has made it possible. The Lord is near. So come on, let's let's make your prayers. Just take a moment. I'm literally going to go 60 seconds. It's going to seem like an age, by the way. I'm going to count to three. I'm going to give us exactly one minute, and I want you to make your prayers and petitions and thanksgiving to God. Three, two, one. Go. One minute. Silence. Father, as we have prayed and we have petitioned, we've brought thanks. Holy Spirit, we just want you to invade our hearts and our minds with your peace. As we have given everything, handed everything off to you here. Father, would you replace that with peace, Lord? And would you guard our hearts and would you guard our minds in, not on our own strength, but in Christ Jesus. And as we close the service very shortly as we go and grab our kids we have tea and coffee as we hang out and connect and as we leave the building and as we go back into our week we pray God that we would recognize that our hearts and our minds are still being guarded there is a castle of Christ around our heart and our mind and that Lord no matter what is going on around us there is a victory within us that brings us peace there is a joy within us Lord God that we can bring into whatever we walk into and so I pray, Lord, for every single soul in the room, every single person in the room, everything that, everyone, that even they, that rep, they represent, Lord God, that they would know the peace, the true peace, the irony of God, the oneness, the set at oneness, the shalom, the active peace in their lives. And so, Father, we bless you and we thank you. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We pray for breakthrough. We pray for miracles this week. We pray for healing. We pray, Lord God, for breakthrough in every area, finance, relationship. We pray, God, next week will be a Sunday of testimony of your goodness, your strength, and your glory. And we ask it all in Jesus' name.